Hello, Internet. This is a Kevin Evans with the chapter-by-chapter chapter live class at Crossroads Assembly of God Church. And uh, we um, are about, we are currently studying the Gospels. And we last week we finished up chapter 9 in Luke, finally. And uh, we are going to start chapter 10 today. So everybody who's got your Bible can turn to chapter 10. <coughs> and I've already handed out my notes. And as a quick recap, uh, we are entered into a segment. Uh, Luke is kind of divided into three parts. And the first part is uh, the, the, the coming of Jesus as the Messiah. And it talks about John the Baptist and his childhood, and Luke, go, Luke is the only one that gives the whole manger story. And he establishes Christ as the coming uh, uh, king and Messiah because he's writing for Gentiles. And so he wants the Gentiles to understand who Jesus is. Well, after we, we, he's, he's, uh, uh, he's been training the disciples, it ends with him training the disciples, and then there's this middle section that is kind of non-chronological. It's a bunch of little stories of, of miracles and teachings that Christ gave. And then it shifts gears and you get back into a historical section where Christ enters Jerusalem in his last week. And it goes through what is commonly called the Passion Play, where Christ goes through the, the, the finer moments before he's crucified and then his resurrection and so forth. Uh, so we are like a chap the second chapter into that um, general area, and, and there is chrono there a chronological sequence to it. But then it w you know most scholars think that you know he kind of sticks in these other little stories because they fit there. And it's not necessarily something he said at that moment, but it may have been something he preached several times. And he just included this story that they've heard Jesus say. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And Luke was, wasn't present for any of this as a reminder. He is, uh, this is a secondhand account. And he is interviewing people that we assume were entirely firsthand accounts. He was Peter's disciple. So um, we assume that Peter told him most of this because Peter was there for most of it. But in the course of being Peter's disciple, we also assume that he met everybody else. And there are things in his gospel that could only have been known by Mary, uh, the mother of Jesus. And uh, there are other things that could only have been known by Matthew. You know, so Matthew spoke to him. And Matthew wrote the gospel before Luke, and Luke has read Matthew's gospel. So, you know, he's kind of, he's not trying to counteract Matthew, but he's trying to add to this story as it applies to the conversion of Gentiles. You know, he's making a supplemental document for his own preaching. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Okay. I think I've given a version of that speech every chapter for the entire <laughs> gospel, right? But somebody's going to be starting over and new. Jennifer is only here for a second week. So she doesn't know. Yes. So, basically, Mark is just the, the bare bones Yes. And then Matthew and Luke, which is the elaboration of Matthew. Yes, but uh, more elaborate. Mark and Matthew were writing to Jewish people, though. And so there's a different focus on each one. Mm -hmm. And in ancient literature, 
it's not really a focus of chronological historicity as you would have in a history book now. It was uh, what happened and how it relates to the thing that I'm trying to explain to you. Yeah. You know, that's how they that's how they think. And you have to approach it like the document was intended, you know, in order to really get it. So Luke is preaching. And uh, in chapter 9, he uh, just talked about uh, sending people into Samaria and Samaria uh, uh, rejecting them. And he talks about shaking the dust off your feet and the cost of following Jesus and so forth. So we get to chapter 10 and we have, there's only, there's only one, two, there's only three sections. But they're long. So the first section is usually called Jesus Sends Out the 72. At least that's what it's titled in my NIV. So I'm going to read that, and then we'll discuss it from there. So chapter 10, verse 1 of Luke. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the work, Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into this harvest field. Uh, go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take purse or bag or sandals, and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, Peace to this house. If a man of peace there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. Stay in that house, eating and drinking. Whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is set before you, heal the sick who are there, and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, uh, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that sticks to our feet, we wipe off against you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God is near. I tell you, it will be more bearable in that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. And it would be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted up to the skies? No, you will go down to the depths. He who listens to you listens to me. He who rejects me, but he who rejects... Verse 16. He who listens to you listens to me. He who rejects you rejects me, but he who rejects me rejects him who sent me. Sorry, there are semicolons there and I just walked all over. Yeah. Uh, the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord... Even the demons submit to us in your name. They were surprised. Yeah. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. 
All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father. And no one knows who the Father is except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then he returned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see, for I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Okie dokie, that was loaded. What number on? Can you watch it fast? I'm sorry. 1 through 24. 1 through 24. 1 through 24. Well, it's an expression. So yours not broken down like that? What now? The Bible's not broken down. What are you asking me? Nothing. Okay. What's your version? Nothing. Okay, okay. <laughs> Leaving you alone. All right. Uh, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others. So, if you go back two chapters, um, the apostles have their, what I call their graduation day. And they are in Galilee. And he sends them out two by two, which would be six groups, right? And they go preaching and healing solo without Jesus. And Christ gives them these very specific, kind of restrictive and scary instructions to not take anything with you. You're going to go on, we presumably a two-week journey, and you're not taking any food or any clothes or any provision and you're going to preach in all of the towns around Galilee and uh, this big lake. There's all kinds of villages all up and down it. And in the course of those two weeks, they kind of evangelized the whole Galilean area. There's, you know, thousands of people have been coming to Jesus because he's healing people. He's having to tell them to shut up and don't tell anybody because it's going too wild. Now he's unleashing it. He's not telling people, don't go tell people. We've got multiple groups of people healing people and casting out demons and, and uh, making a big stir. We've got multiple revivals happening all around Galilee. And if you are still an angry Jewish Pharisee or a Greek worshiping Zeus, it ain't because you ain't heard the truth around Galilee, you know? So we get the mission, the, the word got out. Maybe they didn't convince everyone, but Galilee was evangelized. Now, now, now we're heading into Judea. And Galilee is up here in the north area, up in the mountains where they all live. Now they're going down to Judea. Judea is two-thirds of the kingdom at this time. It's called the lower kingdom. The northern kingdom was much smaller than Judea. And uh, now they're going to go into Judea and evangelize it. Uh, they just worked a small area to practice. Now they're going to up their game and move into this lower area. And Christ is going to go into the southern portions underneath Jerusalem and Jerusalem itself and preach there. So they don't send the twelve who are now trained. They pick 72 other dudes. You know, we don't even know they're dudes, to be fair. I'm just assuming. It could be female. It could be. 
doubtful though, just based upon right. Hebrew culture at the time. Right. That they, they wouldn't have listened to a woman because <laughs> what do women know? Anyway, uh, see, that, was, that was a good jab at Jennifer and she totally ignored me. That hurts my feelings. Wow. I just, I, I, I baited her and nothing, nothing at all. Anyway, I'm trying to start a fight. You're not fighting me. Fine, fine, fine. Never mind. It's okay. No, it's okay. Go read your Bible. It's okay. It's no, all right. No, what were you saying? No, I, I, they did not respect women back in the day. I'm sure no, they. Wrong. I'm sure they totally respect women now. I'm sure. I'm sure they do. I'm sure they do. Um, okay, so he's sending these men into Judea, and so and so uh, we've got six different groups. Is that what that comes to? And. Um, no. Yes. Two, thirty-five. He's done twelve. It's, it's, it's thirty-six. It's thirty-six groups of people. It's six times what he had before is what I was thinking. Uh, so, so this is huge. And it's not the apostles. It's the next tier of disciples who I'm assume have been trained also. You know. So after they come back from this big training, they've been training other people. Or they're not going to be ready. So he, he's there's a big school going on here. This is theology of Jesus. You know, the, 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 this is advanced lessons under Jesus. Make sense? Mm -hmm. So this is their graduation into Judea. Um, in my commentaries, there's all this fuss about the number. Uh, and depending on how you translate it, it could mean 70 or 72. And all these theologians want to make some kind of significance out of the number, like the number itself has meaning. Uh, after the flood, there were 70 nations that's referred to in scripture. And supposedly this is uh, a symbol of reaching out to the whole world and not just the Jewish population. And then there are other ways of interpreting 72 and there's this big theological argument over which symbolism it is. Yeah, that's why I tie everything together or something. Yeah. And well, mine says 70. Yes, and, 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 and that's a fair interpretation of what that means. But whether or not there were 70 or 72, I think a wise biblical scholar needs to first and foremost take the Bible at face value first and then start reading all the symbolism in it. I'm not saying the symbolism isn't there. I think often it is. Often it's prominent. But if the scripture says it happened, it happened. And, and just start there. And I don't think that the symbol of what it's trying to say is more meaningful than a bunch of people went preaching. That's that's really what we need to take away from it. That's fine. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I'm not worrying too much about the advanced degree theologian's interpretation of 70 versus 72. I just turned off that YouTube video and quit because my head was spinning. All right. Two people, two people. Are, are having an argument about two, two extra people. Yeah. 
and what that means. And it wasn't so much about the people, but what the overall yeah. significance oh, having oh, based yeah, on yeah, Old yeah, Testament yeah, and yeah. and typology. <laughs> and, uh, probably, I don't know. Okay, so uh, that's, that's what's happening. Now, Christ sends them out the same way that he sent the disciples, and that's uh, to teach them to depend on him. Now, later in Scripture, he actually instructs them to take their provisions with them when they go out. You know, he, 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 once you've learned to depend on God, then you can... Uh, let God control it. I, I'm not sure how to put this, but uh, you know, He gave us a mind for a purpose, and uh, we should take care of ourselves and make our own provision and pack a lunch if you don't think you're going to come across a restaurant on the way. Yeah, you know, that's, that's right. basically you know, use yeah. some wisdom. And uh, but but He's teaching them to depend upon Him. And um, okay, the shaking the dust off your feet thing I thought was interesting. And what he's referring to is an old Jewish tradition. They, they responded to that differently than we do because we don't do this tradition. But they had this big problem with Samaria because Samarians were mixed race people. There were uh, idol worships worked into their, their, uh, their uh, uh, religious practices. They did not come to the temple. They went to the Northern temple from before the captivity. And uh, they had all these Assyrian blood mixed in with them, so they were a little bit ethnically different than the rest of the Jews. I don't know what that looks like, but they were they were different somehow. They just worshipped statues and things. Well, they were still Jewish, but the way they did, there was like having a different denomination. It's like Baptists and Methodists have these different interpretations. It's probably a little further apart than that, actually. But. Uh, Closer, yeah, and so and so they're not. So so the Jews had a real problem with Samaritans. The Samaritans really didn't have that much problem with the Jews. They just didn't get any respect, you know. So when Jews Jews would 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 spend a day walking around Samaria, so they didn't have to go into Samaria with all of those unclean heretics, you know. Uh, and you, you might get into a fist fight if you were a Jew in Samaria and, and, and talk smack in the wrong spot. You know what I mean? It, they didn't get along. I was actually about to make a joke about like uh, a lot of Baptists doesn't like us Pentecostals because we're just, I don't know. I just, you know, I'm related to a few of those. Anyway, uh, so what the Jews would do to snub Samarians when they passed through Samaria and, and it was on the way to the north. To go from the north and south kingdom, the easiest route was through the middle of Samaria. That's where the highway was, you know. Uh, Jacob's well is on the highway where Jesus met the woman at the well. I mean, it, it's, it's the path. Well, Jews would walk through. Well, when they got to the end of town, they would turn around and shake the, the they, they would tap their feet on the ground to shake the Samarian dust off of them because the Samarian dust was beneath them. Now, I promise you, I promise you, if they were all by themselves and they walked through in the heat of the day and everybody was at home, they wouldn't shake any dust off their feet. They would only do that if a Sumerian is looking at them. Right? Because it's an insult to Samaritans. It's an insult. I am better than you. That's what this says. So, 
This is, that's what the gesture is. So, oh, so, so when Jews want to show that they're better than you, they shake yeah. you off of them yeah. when they walk away. Well, Christ says, if they reject your message, shake the dust off your feet and walk down the road. Let God take care of it. You ain't God. You know? Is that, that's where the help me shake it off? I have no idea, but let's say it was. That is very true. Uh, I don't have my Oxford English Dictionary with me, but man, that sounds good, Kitty. I think we need to look that up. Uh, shake it off. Yeah, maybe so. That's not how I used it when I was growing up, you know. <laughs> No, it's when you're when you were trying to be Tarzan and you jump off the oil tank and into the next tree and you miss the branch and you land flat Watch on your back after tree. falling 15 feet off the top of the oil tank, and then you stand up and your brother says, "Ah, oh, shake it off." That's that's what shake it off means. It's like gut it up and get on with it. You didn't bring nothing. Uh, yeah, yeah. Unless, unless you got a broken bone, you got no excuses in my family. Yeah. Oh, which made me a bad father, by the way. So when Clay was uh, in junior high, he came in and said, Dad, I think I need to go to the doctor. I turned around and go, why? He says, well, I was climbing a tree out by the pond. There used to be a tree that's at, at, next to our house. He says, and I fell out, and uh, it kind of hurts to breathe. And I go, ah, oh, shake it off. It'll be fine. You know. <laughs> and uh, sure enough, his lung collapsed. So... Ooh. Um, you felt bad, didn't you? I kind of did. I kind of <laughs> did. He, I, he went about a day and uh, with, with heavy breathing. And I thought, okay, maybe there is something wrong. And I took him to the hospital. But uh, I, I, I felt bad about that. There wasn't a whole lot. You could, you, basically, you just let that heal. It's a little bubble there. But uh, yeah, he took a thump and uh, told me about it. And I blew him off because <laughs> we are tough guys in my family. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, for a tougher breed. Well, I try to be. <laughs> Trying to make sure I got all this. There was a lot in here. Uh, Satan fell like lightning from heaven. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that's an interesting image. They can trample on snakes and scorpions because they're walking under the protection of so, yeah, yeah. Is that where snake handling comes from? Yeah, maybe. Possibly. But Although I think it was, yeah. It was like most uh, from the passage where Paul was bitten by a snake and he was healed. But well, he wasn't handling snakes. Right. He got bit by a snake. And like, yeah, exactly. That kind of makes me wonder, well, how, what was the reasoning? Like, how they came to that conclusion, though? Uh, I've actually attended... Snake handling? Uh, Primitive Baptist Church, which is a denomination that tends to do that. Primitive? That's what called a primitive. Uh -oh. yeah. uh, they're the one denomination that the Baptists don't recognize. There, there's 26 flavor of Baptist. I can speak with knowledge about this. <laughs> and, uh, and they're all the same thing. They're the Samaritans of the Baptists. Ah, nothing to go that far. Uh, they're, they're all kin. They all recognize each other's doctrine. Uh, they all think each other are going to, to heaven. 
They all fight over money. Baptists love fighting over money. It's always about money. Uh, when there's a big church fight and the church splits into, I promise it's about money. It's not doctrine with the Baptist. Uh, we are, we're very, they're very material people. Uh, anyway, uh, there's this one flavor of Baptist called primitives that are, tend to have a Calvinistic sort of doctrine, and it's. I thought all Baptists were Calvinists. You would think so. Mm, uh, they're called not, ba- not Calvinists. No, they're Armenians. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. There's different views within the Baptist. Oh my like word. There's some uh, Baptists who are Calvinistic. No, no, there no, are no. some. You try to tell a story, and then it, you just totally lose control. Oh. Baptists that are Arminian, <coughs> which is, anyway, I'm not going to get t- too much into it, but my point is, just because you're a Baptist does not mean you're against I am ignoring everything that's just been said, and I'm going to forget, finish my story. Uh, they were good Pentecostal people. If I hadn't known that they were snake handlers, I would have thought this was a good old-fashioned church of, okay, God. Is what I, what it felt like, you know. It, it, there's a little bit of a cultural difference between AG and culture, Church of God, and this it felt Church of Godish to me. I've been to a number of those, except for they occasionally have that service where they bring those rattlesnakes in. Oh gosh, oh. Ah, and so I can't really. I'm, I'm not going to condemn them as a denomination. I think they're genuine seeking people who have had a conversion experience and they are brethren who push their faith a little further than my faith is willing to go. That is all I have to say about this. I think it's a misinterpretation of scripture. I I don't think God tells us to go handle snakes. I think he's saying that you are under the protection of God and you need to quit worrying. Well, the snakes and scorpions talking about are what? You think this is symbolic? No, I think this is no. I think no. these are snakes and scorpions. We're talking about bugs and reptiles here, not people. No, no, no. I'm taking. Oh, that was sarcasm. I, I thought I didn't either. Evidently. Okay. Notice he did at the end, he says, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see, for I tell you that many prophets and kings want to see what you did see, but and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Uh, they are in the presence of Jesus. They uh, have been blessed by God to go preach and heal and cast out demons. And the only people that did this were prophets, you know, beforehand. And, and people, you know, wanted to see the Messiah come. They've seen the Messiah come. And uh, they have more knowledge now, these, these disciples, than anybody has had sent before them. They, they are the most knowledgeable followers of, 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 uh, of God ever. And now think about where we are. Because not only do we have everything that they knew, but we have the rest of Paul's writings, we have 2,000 years of church history. We have the writings of scholar after scholar after scholar at our fingertips, literally. Yeah. And for the internet, I'm waving my phone because I can pull up just about every reference on the planet on this phone. Hey, and not only that, like thanks to the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls and all True. that stuff, you could just simply go to their to a website that contains 
ink the Dead Sea Scrolls, as long as you have an internet connection, you get to look at it. Right, and so we have a verification of, uh, historical verification of a lot of these writings and multiple sourcing, and uh, we are so much better off than they were. So where does that put us? If we reject Christ, having had all of this, you know, being better off than any other believer in the history of the world, is that going to go worse for us down the road? Hmm. Maybe so. Perhaps. I think there is justice. God is a just God. <coughs> you're talking about knowing Christ? And, I mean, yes. And then rejecting Christ? What you're talking about? Yes, I am. Okay. Uh, oh my goodness, look at the time. I only got through the first section. What happened to you guys? During this era in the Golden Age of Biblical um, Yeah, I am, because there's a lot in this. Uh, the next section at verse 25 is uh, the very famous parable of the Good Samaritan, which is a parable. It didn't actually happen. It is a stated parable. And after that is the story of Mary and Martha. And I think that Luke put the Mary and Martha story right after the Samaritan story because they are dealing with the same issue. And I could maybe tackle part of this in the time we got left, but we, we need to do both of these together. Okay? I, th I think I would not want to study one without the other. So, next week, uh, those of you keeping track, we are going to pick it up at verse 25, and we are going to finish chapter 10. So it'll be 25 through verse 41. 42. Start off. What? 42. 42. That's what I said. Yeah, that's what I said. It's revisionist history at, at its best. That's exactly what I said. I misspoke. Okay. Uh, that's your million dollars. Million dollars. Go spend it. Spend it. All right. Uh, with that, uh, Internet, I'm signing off now. And, uh, uh, bye. Bye.